Welcome back to the Superabundant Life Podcast. I'm your host, Olaomi Brigway, a transformational life coach and the founder of Superabundant Women, an online community making it easy for driven Christian women to put God first and maximize that God factor so they can create the life of their dreams. In the not-too-distant past, I myself was trapped in an agonizing cycle of failure and shame with my mind constantly dominated by negative emotions. But my life was transformed beyond my wildest dreams when I began to live by the power and the wisdom of God's word. My mission is to teach others to experience the same. On the Super Abundant Life podcast, we have only one goal, to teach and empower Christians to take full advantage of their rights and privileges in Christ in order to build exceptionally successful lives. Thank you for tuning in. I'm so glad you're here. Hi, this is Olaomi and welcome to episode 93 of the Super Abundant Life podcast. If this is your first time of listening to the podcast, I want to welcome you warmly. Thank you so much for tuning in. And if you're a regular listener, you know I'm grateful that you're here. It's always a pleasure for me to record these episodes and to bring them into your space. So thank you for being a part of it. Don't forget that I love to hear from you, whatever it is, whether it's a question, whether it's a feedback, or even if it's a criticism, positive that is, don't send me hate mail. (laughs) Okay, I don't want to receive any kind of hate mail, all right? But I'm sure nobody listening to this is intending to send me hate mail. So whatever it is, you can send me an email at contact at allowmebrigway.com. If you do not follow me on Instagram or LinkedIn, then please do so. I invite you to follow me so that you can get a lot more content in between podcast episodes. And my handle is Allow Me Brigway on both platforms. Right, so today <laughs> I'm going to be talking about the four hidden traps that lead to failed projects. Huh, hidden traps, failed <laughs> projects. Those are the key words in that title. And my first question to you today is this. Have you ever had any failed projects? Or maybe a better question is, how many failed projects have you had? If you've ever had a failed project or you're in the middle of a project that is failing, then you certainly want to listen to what I'm going to be talking about today. When I say project, I don't just mean a project at work or something relating to that. It could be something as simple as I'm going to make sure that I spend time with my children. Or you set a target and say, I'm going to save this amount of money. And you start off really strong, but then it just fell out and it didn't happen. All right. If it failed, it's not because the desire or the dream was not valid. The Bible says, delight yourself in the Lord and God will give you the desires of your heart. So if someone is delighting in the Lord, that scripture does not mean that he will give you whatever you want. He's saying that he will put the right desires inside your heart so that what you want is what God wants. Your will is his will. Your ways are are his ways. Your thoughts are his thoughts. That's what that means. Are you actively running away from God? (laughs) Have you made it your mission in life to run from God and to be rebellious? If you're not that kind of person and you have, if your heart is yearning for God and you're actively doing everything you can to follow God, then you qualify as someone that is delighting in the Lord. Therefore, God is one that is putting those desires in your heart. So don't ever think, oh, it didn't work because I was not supposed to have it. In fact, I tell people, make it work first 
and then let the Holy Spirit tell you that actually that's not what I wanted you to do. Go the other way. It actually takes more maturity for you to have something and then you look at it and you say, no, I'm not supposed to take this job offer. I'm supposed to stay where I am or I'm supposed to take the other job offer. So if you've had failed projects, it's not because the project was not valid. It's not because your desire was not valid or quote unquote, as some of us say, God must just not have wanted me to have it. It's not true. I remember a story that Kenneth Hagin said that there was an elderly lady. She was probably about 88, close to 90. And she was diagnosed with some kind of terminal disease. He went to visit her and he started talking about by the stripes of Jesus, yeah, healed God will heal you. And the lady was like, oh, no, no, no. You know, I'm old. I've lived a good life. God has blessed me. Let me just go. And I, I will never forget. Higgins said to her, do you know what? It is the will of God for you to be healed. Get healed first. And then if you are tired of living in this world, then go after that. But it should not be sickness that you take you he said achieve the thing first and then decide god you know what i'm satisfied with life okay now i can go and then one day you will sleep and you will transition he was able to convince her she was healed and she lived another 15 years or something like that before she eventually went home to be with the lord so this idea that if project failed, oh, maybe it was not the will of God. It's a cop out. It's an easy way out, honestly. So I want to bring your attention to four things that could trip you up. The four hidden traps that lead to failed projects. There are four of them all together. The first one is failure. The second one is success. The third one is disloyalty. And the fourth one is betrayal. In trying to achieve anything you set your mind to achieve, one or more of these four hidden traps will come into your space. The thing in itself does not have the power to stop you. I saw a quote somewhere that says, life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you respond. Try and imagine if we're comparing 10% with 90% a full grown man and probably a one-year-old. The one-year-old does not have the power or the strength or the body size to stop a full grown man from moving forward. But if the grown man chooses to lay down and say, oh, this one-year-old shoved me, therefore I'm not moving from here. So I want you to picture it like that. None of these things that I'm actually going to talk about has the power to stop you. It is how you respond to each or all of them that will determine whether they trip you up and you fall into the trap or not. So the first one is failure. Discouraging signs, particularly at the beginning of the journey. When we encounter setbacks or persecution or criticism, so you decide, for example, that I'm going to go for this promotion at work. And the first person you shared it with says, oh, actually, I heard that so-so-and-so is going for it. And you look at yourself and you compare yourself with so-so-and-so. And you're like, ah, this person has five degrees. This person is already two steps ahead of me. Who am I to even think about that? So you experience criticism, persecution, or a temporary setback. This in itself does not have the power to stop you. What happens a lot of times is people become shocked by the fact that, ah, why is this so hard? Why did this happen? I don't understand. Whatever you decide that you're going to do, you must prepare yourself for any kind of setback that may happen. If you allow yourself to be surprised by the setback or the persecution, it will catch you off guard. And what was meant to be a 10% that you can easily overcome to keep moving becomes 90%. And they're like, oh, this is just too hard. And they abandon the project. An example from the Bible was the children of Israel. 
Moses showed up to all the elders of the Israelites and he gave them the good news that God had heard them and he was now ready to deliver them from bondage. Come and see how they were rejoicing. They were dancing and singing and praising God like, oh, Jehovah has done it. So Moses and Aaron presented themselves to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said, eh, it looks like these people don't have work to do. They have too much time on their hands. Make it incredibly harder for them. And as a result of that, they will give up. That's what I'm saying. Now, making it harder for them, how much harder could they have made it? I mean, think about it. Their life was already hard. That's why I'm saying that the 10% is not enough to stop you. Didn't, didn't they do it? So he said, don't give them straw. Let them go and look for their own straw and still keep up with the quota. Didn't they do it? They did it. So it wasn't enough to stop them. It's the 10%. But when they heard, they were like, ah, Moses, who sent you? <laughs> who sent you? It's village people that said to you, leave us alone. We were happy the way we were. And they didn't understand that you must expect these things. Setbacks are a part of life. Failure is a part of life. It's like a student being shocked by the fact that there's an exam at the end of the year. And then they start panicking. Like, ah, I have to sit an exam. I have to... But you that you're observing, you're like, ah, duh. You have to sit an exam now. And don't you realize that if you pass that exam, you will be promoted. Don't you realize that if you don't take the exam, you're going to be stuck there forever. But the students, they become so panicked about it. And as a result of that, they allow something that was meant to promote them to actually keep them in that place. It's exactly the same way. If you are taken by surprise by any kind of setback or persecution or criticism from people, you will always abandon that project because it will be too much. Moses, from the moment he showed up to the Israelites, had been hearing them complain. Those people could complain. They had complained and complained and cursed him to the point that when they now got to another rock where God said, speak to the rock and the water will come out, they had been moaning and complaining all day that he just lost it and lambasted them, say, you stiff-necked, <laughs> you stiff-necked people, what's wrong with you? I just abused them. And as a result of that, God said, you're not entering into the promised land. My own question is, Moses, why, why should this surprise you that they will react this way? That's what I'm saying. You have to be vigilant. Almost look out for it like, ah, oh, okay, this is the failure that I know is going to happen to try and make me turn back. No, I, I know what your plan is. It's a trap and I'm not yielding to that trap. Let's move on to the second one, which I said is success. So you're thinking, but success is a good thing. <laughs> Why success is a trap? It's a trap. Encouraging signs, especially early on in the process or even in the middle, these are deceptive. Encouraging signs. So for example, somebody decides that they're going to go on a diet and they want to lose some weight. In the first week after eating clean and after doing everything, they lost seven pounds. Okay, I'm exaggerating. <laughs> Wow, they're excited. They're very proud of the work that they've done. Then this person steps on the scale again, exactly a week after that, and they've gained five pounds back. <laughs> Has this happened to you before? <clears throat> so they gained five pounds. Like, ah, well, what happened? And they were doing exactly the same thing that they were supposed to be doing. In fact, because of the seven pound loss, they had been so encouraged by it that they're like, let's go. And they've even put in more effort. Anyone who knows anything about the human body, especially the female body, you know that it's, weight loss is never a straight line. Water retention, the period is coming. Well, it's never a straight line. Now, the, this is where the problem or the trap enters in because people expect progress to be constant. They expect progress to be a straight line, but life is not a straight line. If you become so focused or so impressed by encouraging signs along the way, 
honestly, it can be devastating when life takes a dip and the dip is coming. In fact, there was a picture, an image that was circulating on social media a while ago. And it was saying that the journey from point A to point B, a lot of people think that, oh, it's just a straight line. And then on the other side, it says, this is actually what it is. <laughs> I'll try as best as I can to describe it. The person starts and they're riding a bike and then they fall into like a river and then they have to swim through it. And then they get out of the river and then they climb to the top of a mountain. And then there's a valley that's more representative of what life is. Any projects that you set your mind to, that is what it's going to look like. So if you think that, oh, it's working, it's, it's getting better, it's progressing, and you become so enthralled with that, honestly, what comes next is going to so much disappoint you that you will give up. You have to take your eyes off any kind of encouraging or discouraging signs. So the first one was the discouraging signs, the failure. Don't mind it, pay no attention. And equally, pay no attention to encouraging signs. You have to keep doing what you're doing because what you're doing is what is going to get you to the end. It makes no difference whether it looks like, oh, it's up today, down tomorrow. That's normal. That's exactly the way life is. The Bible calls these kind of encouraging signs the deceitfulness of riches. In Mark chapter 4, as Jesus taught about the parable of the sower, it says, The seed that fell among the thorns heard the word, but quickly the message is crowded out by the lure of wealth and the desire for other things, so no fruit is produced. What does that mean? The lure of wealth, meaning you see wealth and you say, ha, ah, see the progress that I've made. See the increase. See what's happening. Oh, I can see that it's working. I can see that it's definitely encouraging. And then you become lured away to start chasing after that thing. And actually, it's like vapor. When it's taken away from you, it's devastating. The point I'm making is give God thanks regardless of whether the signs look encouraging or discouraging. Because if you are thanking God and you are choosing to carry on because the signs look encouraging, the way life is, the dip is coming. Another discouraging sign will come and replace that encouraging sign. And if you are only doing it for the encouraging sign, of course you are going to give up because the sign is gone. Right? <laughs> so don't allow this thing to trip you up encouraging signs that oh fantastic okay no problem it makes no difference to me i'm constant praising the lord i'm constant putting in what is required of me to get to the end regardless of whether the signs look encouraging or not it doesn't matter life is mountains and valleys if we don't understand that you think it will just be you just keep climbing up to the mountain the mountain until you get to the top oh so many people have given up on their faith project simply because they prayed about it. Then the next day they got a phone call and it looks so promising. They're rejoicing. Then the day after that, the disappointment comes. <laughs> and they're like, oh, what I thought, what I thought. Listen, take your eyes off signs, whether they're encouraging or they're discouraging. If you focus on them, it's a trap. If you take it as your be-all and end-all, it will trip you up, okay? The third one is disloyalty. Now, what do I mean by that? How can this be a trap? Let me explain. So you have a project that you're reaching out for, whether you have decided that, okay, it is time to get this family's finances under control, Let's make sure that we are saving and we are preparing for the future. Let's say you have a project like that. Now, in your own mind, there are certain people that you have calculated should be as invested in that project as you are. You have looked at it and you have thought, okay, this person should be as interested in this outcome as I am. And as a result of that, they should support me or invest as much time or effort or energy into seeing it succeed as much as I am investing in it. So the person, the lady that says, let's get our finances sorted out, would probably think that, oh, my husband 
should be invested in that. So when I decide that we're going to do the budget and I sit down and say, honey, let's do the budget that he will be excited and he'll want to do the budget or whatever it is. Now, when you have that expectation and it is not met, that is what I mean by disloyalty. And this is usually someone that you regard highly that you think because they love you, they would automatically be a part of what it is you're doing. When that expectation is not met, offense can set in. And remember, we're saying it's a trap. Why is it a trap? Because it's only 10%. It is your reaction to the person not supporting the way you think they should support you that becomes a problem, not the fact that they don't support you. Because as I'm going to show you in a minute, whether they support you or not, if you decide that you're going to get this thing done, you most certainly will. So them supporting you is a bonus. Disloyalty relates to someone that actually loves you, that you think, uh uh-uh, how can you be disloyal? So disloyalty is not some stranger that decides not to support you. That's more criticism and persecution like we talked about in the first one. This one is, ah, but I thought you'd help me with this. You know how important this thing is, not just to me, and probably to the person as well. And you're just confused. Like, why are you so blasé about this thing? Why are you so casual? Why are you even actively opposing me in this thing? If you don't come to the position in your mind quickly that whether they are on board or not, I can still do this. One of two things will happen. You either become offended, get angry and give up and say, what's my own? Should be by the time we are both 70 and we are having to go and queue to get food from the government eh, whatever, you know, <laughs> like, eh, I'll just leave it. If we both retire and we still don't own a house and we're still paying rent, eh, it should be you be there too. <laughs> so that's offense talking. Or the second reaction is the person abandons the project itself and then starts to put all their energy and time into trying to convince the person to come on board. Either way, guess what? The project is not moving forward. This one is so common. The woman decides, do you know what, honey? All my clothes don't fit me again. See, pandemic has happened. I want to make sure that my clothes fit me. So I want to start an exercise regime and I want to only eat certain types of foods. That is when that man will go out. The man that never really buys things like that. He goes, yeah. And he, he goes into the shop and he buys all sorts of things that you're not supposed to be eating. And you're like, did I? I thought we had a conversation about this yesterday. I said, ah, you're fine the way you are. I don't know why you're always dying. And the woman is looking at him like, I don't understand. But I told you that this was important to me. And the man is just laughing. I don't know why you're dieting. You're fine the way you are. I love you the way you are. The more he's saying that, <laughs> the angrier she's getting. Like, please leave me alone. Just leave me alone. Leave me alone. Stop buying sweets in this house again. You know? That's what I mean. Where you have a false expectation that simply because either number one, somebody loves you or number two, they have a stake in the outcome of that project. They should automatically support you. (laughs) But the truth of the matter is God deals with individuals. So there's a reason why it is inside your own heart that God put that desire to start with. Because they don't yet see what you see. You can't expect them to have the same level of commitment or interest that you have regarding that project. So simply because you attended a webinar and the person was talking about financial freedom and it so touched you, you were so inspired by it, does not mean that you go and sit your husband and say, ah, I went to this webinar. It was so good. Do you know what? We can do this in the, and in five years it will be this and this and this. And you say, ah, ma- that sounds really good. And you expect that he will then jump in with you with the same enthusiasm, with the same effort. And you're shocked when he doesn't. It's because it was you that got inspired, not him. Now, let me show you how you can avoid being tripped up by this thing. You must understand 
that the dream was planted in your own heart first. And the Bible says, let your light shine before men that they will see your good deeds and then they will praise your father in heaven. He's saying, if you are the one that gets switched on first, it is futile to say, oh, I'm just going to go and force this person to see things from my perspective. They don't see it. So you dedicate yourself to moving that project forward. And I guarantee you, when they begin to see the fruits of what you are doing, you won't need to convince him to come and join you. That is how it works. Guaranteed. It's because they are not convinced. They probably think it's too much work. Or they might think, I tried that before, it didn't work. So just leave them. You face whatever it is and begin to do it. A friend of mine was telling me about how during the pandemic, she decided this is a wonderful opportunity. I'm at home. Um, I don't have to rush, wake up early before dawn, etc. Going to work. Now I can go and exercise. I can be more deliberate and intentional about eating and everything. When she started, <laughs> in fact, not only did the husband not support her, he was almost like a stumbling block. Like, me, I'm not eating this one. No, I want to eat my ban begiri and So she, she was, she was like, ah, okay, no problem. Because he too needed to lose weight. He was severely overweight, and she thought, oh, let's do it together so we can both lose weight. But eh, the man was not having. So leave me. I'm okay as I am. <laughs> Because at first she was like, no, don't you understand? Your BMI is like, leave me. I've been carrying my BMI all these years. I'm hale and hearty. Leave me. Nothing's going to happen to me in Jesus' name. So she saw that this was a brick wall. And his own reaction and her wanting to force him to join her was starting to chip away at her own enthusiasm. So she decided that, ah, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to leave this man, let him carry on with what he was doing. So she didn't even know this thing that I'm talking about. She just thought, well, I can't force him. Let me do it for myself. Let me just move my own weight and, and healthy lifestyle forward. And that's what she did. So she will cook the normal food that he likes to eat. She will cook her own food separately. And she just carried on. She will get up, go for a walk. And gradually she began to increase in her exercise and her healthy eating after two months, when the man saw that she was, you know, losing weight effortlessly, she was sleeping better, her skin looked fresher. He was the one that started asking her that, ah, you know, what's that one you're eating? And you, you're giving me a bar. I don't want a bar. What's, what's that one you're eating? Say, me, I, I want that one. And she was like, ah, it's my own now. I only made for one. Say, no, it's that one I want. Oh, yeah, give me that one by himself he crossed over and in fact his own became more than the woman both of them lost a lot of weight and they're keeping and maintaining it that's what i mean if she had become number one offended with him that i don't understand why are you not supporting me why are you being so difficult why are you telling me that i must cook my own meal separately and your own meal separately do you know how much time that would take how am i supposed to do that she will be offended. She will abandon the whole thing. Or if she had said, I don't understand. Look at how overweight you are. <laughs> let's do it. Listen, you're speaking to a brick wall. No matter how many times you say, let's do it. You won't say it. That is what you must understand. That disloyalty is inevitable. The Bible talks about Hannah. She wanted a child desperately. But what was her husband saying? Her husband was like, ah, oh, Hannah, don't worry. I'm more than seven sons. Why are you crying? I don't understand. Why are you crying? There's nothing wrong with not having a child. I am enough for you. I'm more than seven sons. Hannah. Hannah said, ah, thank you, my husband. But you are what? My husband, not my son. I want my own son. So she left the man. She didn't try to convince him. She went and cried out to God. And she became pregnant, gave birth to a son. Now, let me show you what I'm saying. After Samuel was born, who went to Hannah and said, ah, remember the vow that you made? Ah, remember you're supposed to go and give this child to the priest to serve in the house of the Lord? Who now became the more excited of the two? It was the husband. 
Well, she was still hesitating and saying, well, let me win him, then we'll carry. He was the one that said, ah, let's go and drop this child. Because he knew that more children will come. That's what I mean. When he saw that, ah, you mean this woman can have children? Okay, let's go. So this is how you navigate that one. People that are closest to you, whether at home or at work, you think your line manager should be as excited as you are about getting that promotion and you are crushed when they don't seem to support you. Why are you so disloyal after everything I have done? You can't look at it that way. It is a trap if you do. So you just have to basically keep moving forward. When they see the traction that you're gaining by themselves, they will come and they will support you. The fourth one is betrayal. Now, don't be too hung up on the word betrayal because when you think of betrayal, like, ah, it's the devil, the devil betrayed and Judas betrayed Jesus. No, 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 let's just calm down. Wait, it's not necessarily sinister. Betrayal is different from disloyalty. Disloyalty is when people that you think should be for you, should support you, tend not to because they don't yet see what you see. Betrayal is actually the opposite of that. Betrayal is when people that appear to be for you, that appear to be as excited as you are about this thing that you are going for, they link hands with you. They say, oh, I'm going to support you. But then they end up sabotaging the project. This can happen in one of two ways. Number one, it could be sinister. So they deliberately join themselves with you in order to sabotage. Or they were so excited by what you're doing, they join with you but they end up being the wrong person for you to walk that journey with. And as a result of that, they still end up sabotaging. Let me give you an example. So let's say someone decides that just to clear my mind, I'm going to walk for an hour every day. So I'm going to go for a nice leisurely walk an hour every day. And you have a friend that lives like the next street from you. And you were talking about this new thing that you want to do. And your friend says, oh, yes, me too. I want to go. And they're very excited. They like, I want to go too. Ah, I've been thinking about walking. And you're like, oh, awesome. It sounds great. There's strength in numbers. Let's go together. And so you decide that they should join you. You set a time where you will both go out in the morning to go for your walk. But every day you go out, this your friend just starts to complain and complain. Ah, this is hard. Oh, ah, my leg is paining me. Ah, oh, let's only do 15 minutes today. And they will just be complaining and complaining. Now, this is what I'm saying. In the beginning, you didn't even need to coax. You didn't even need to talk too much. You just basically told them about your vision and this wonderful new thing that you want to do. They were impressed by it. It appealed to them. I thought, oh, I like the sound of that. I want to do it too. And then you allow them to join you. So this is what I mean by betrayal. Someone that is supposedly with you, but then through their action, they end up stopping you from moving forward. That's betrayal. So in this case, it was not sinister. The friend was not being sinister. The friend didn't decide to join you in order to stop you from going on that walk. But here's what I'm saying. One of two things. So this one, they were enticed by the idea of the outcome. They thought, oh, I'd love to have that. But they didn't really want it. They were not in a place where they could commit to it. Now, if you allow that person to keep coming out with you every day, it will get to the point where the words that they are speaking will seep into your own heart and you too will begin to think, ah, it's true. This, this walk is long, an hour. Okay, let's just do 15 minutes. Before you know it yourself, you will give up. You will give up. So what you need to recognize that it's a trap to bring along someone on the journey that is not fit for that journey. And once you realize that, oh, there's somebody going on this journey with me that is not actually meant to be with me. They're not the right fit. You have to be very quick to detach yourself. So what do you do? The next morning, you just basically go on your walk. 
and then your friend calls you later in the day in fact they would have forgotten that they were supposed to go on the walk that's how you know that they're very serious about the thing maybe three days later you are just just saying ah you haven't been coming to call me for this walk oh he's like ah really ah sorry and then just quickly move on and change the subject don't justify it don't lie and say oh i forgot you didn't forget <laughs> just move say hey, ah sorry and move on trust me they would have forgotten say by the time you talk for, for another two minutes they too would change the subject they'll forget about it why because they didn't really want it so you have to bring people along with you that have a certain level of investment in the vision remember we said for disloyalty trying to drag somebody along with you that is not part of the vision that hasn't yet caught the vision is dangerous for you it's the same thing someone that is attracted by the outcome that you seem to be going towards and they decide to join you it's the same outcome so you have to detach that's why Mio, i don't allow people who complain a lot into my space okay i don't because complaining is is like poison once i decided to do something and someone starts complaining about that thing about how hard it is so you say oh yes 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 it sounds good i'm going to do it too but then they start complaining and complaining or bad mouthing the thing they will just find that they have less and less access to me for the duration of that project because that's what I'm saying. The words will begin to seep into your own heart. You that you are on point. You that you are fired up and you're like, I'm going to do this. And you now start allowing someone to come into your space and to follow you on the journey that is not the right fit. They have not valued that thing. They will help you devalue it. They will help you devalue it and you will give up and that project will fail. It's better to go it alone than to think, oh, there's strength in numbers. Let's just bring everybody along. They will end up sabotaging that journey for you. It's better to go alone. When you begin to succeed, when people see things, you announce that, oh, this is what I'm doing. They want to join you because it looks attractive. And that's fair enough. But simply because it looks attractive to them does not mean you should bring them on board. Because if they're not ready, they're not in the right frame of mind, they don't want to give the level of investment that, that is required of them to keep it moving forward. They're just attracted by the idea of it. They're going to end up slowing you down or even causing you to stop altogether. So you have to be selective about who you allow to come on the journey with you. They have to be aligned with your vision. Somebody reached out to me on LinkedIn and said, oh, I love what you're doing. I'd love to volunteer in your company and we get requests like other people send me their cvs and say when you're hiring or whatever it is so she reached out to me she, young lady she must be in her 20s and i said oh fantastic it's, it's always a pleasure and a privilege to have people be a part of what we're doing and so i said fine send me your cv let me know whatever experience you have and let's see where you be the right fit to work with us in allow me bigger consulting first few days i didn't hear from this person but me i'm i i like to give people many many chances because that's how god is if god only gives me one chance okay that's it i'll be dead and gone so i, I i'm quite gracious i try to be quite gracious not to just basically cut people off and not give them many chances so i was thinking okay this person has a full-time job maybe they got caught up in it so after not hearing from her for a few days I messaged and I said, oh, I'm still waiting for your CV. Oh, she said, oh, I'm really sorry. I'm going to send it. And then she sent it that day. I looked at the CV. I said, <laughs> and this is a real problem. All the people that have sent me CV saying, oh, if you're hiring, none of them have actually sat down to look at what we do in Allow Me Brew Consulting. They have not even tried to tailor that cv to what we do this is off topic but it's very important that i say this if you're looking for a job don't put work on the employer to be sifting through your cv trying to find the experience that is relevant you in fact you've made them work so hard they're like well you're supposed to come and be making my life easy okay this one that we've not even hired you you're already making my life difficult no as in people just send cvs 
they'll list all the experiences and they haven't tailored it to say this experience would allow me to be able to do this for you. I don't understand that because in teaching, that was how you had to apply it. You had to write a personal statement that literally matched the person's specification, the job description. You had to show how you can do this for your employer or for the prospective employer. But anyway, that's just off topic. So she sent the CV and I'm reading through, I'm like, I don't see anything that correlates with what we're doing here. So again, I messaged her. I'm being like my father. In fact, I saw on her LinkedIn profile that she said she was content writer. And that was not on her CV. Just some random experiences of what she was doing that had nothing to do with us. I said, oh, I can see on your LinkedIn profile that you have experience in this. So will say, oh, yes, I do. I'm like, so you wasted my time to be reading through your CV. Meanwhile, there's nothing in there that is useful. So she told me that and I said, okay, fine. But I still said, let's try again because I didn't go and look for you. For someone to see what you're doing and say, I'd love to volunteer, it, it takes a certain kind of person. So I chose to retain that kind of high regard for her. And I now said, let's arrange a 30 minute chat so that we can talk through it and then decide where you can help. And unfortunately for this person, we were actually looking to hire. I was actively looking for someone to hire at that time. If she had done her work properly, if she had turned out to be the right person, I would not have taken her on board as a volunteer. I would have hired her as an employee and I would have paid her salary. But she didn't know that and I didn't tell her that. She booked an appointment and I said, see you then. Do you know that I had my computer set up? I sat down and this person did not show up. I went to my LinkedIn to see, did she send a message to say, I'm totally sorry, this is what happened. No message, nothing. Now, that's a classic example. I will be very foolish. Oh, very foolish. God will come and cane me if I should allow that kind of person join what we're doing. That's what I'm saying. So people will see the success, the glitter and say, oh, this is nice. And because it looks attractive, they will want to jump on board. Betrayal is when people that are meant to be for you and in all appearance, they are quote and unquote for you, but there's coming a time in the journey where they will suddenly just move <laughs> and they stop being for you. And like, oh, what I thought. Okay. So for that one, don't allow it trap you. Be very vigilant about that. The second way betrayal can happen is more sinister. Is where somebody puts on the cloak of sheep, but they are wolves. And they join you for the sole intention of sabotaging. That one is worse. In fact, they're all bad. <laughs> but this one, they know what they're doing. They make you trust them. That, oh, I'm for you, I'm for you. And then at the point where you need them the most because you have relied upon them, they suddenly just pull back and they, they cause you to fall. Let me give you an example. The Bible says when Nehemiah decided to go and build the wall, there were two very annoying people, two very annoying men called Sambalat and Tobias. They were trying all sorts of things. First, they tried mockery, then they tried fighting them. Then one of the tactics that they tried was this thing that I'm talking about. He says they boasted that before they are aware or anticipate anything, we will come among them and kill them and we will bring this work to a halt. So they had tried abusing them, mocking them, telling them it can't work. What is this thing? Actively resisting them. So do you know what they tried to do next? Say, let's go and join them. We will infiltrate them, be a part of them. They will begin to destroy and eat them up from the inside out. So before they realize what we have done, the whole work would have come to a halt. That one is dangerous. And Satan will plant envy and jealousy in the hearts of people to stir them up to carry out acts like that. So you think somebody is for you, but in their heart, they're not for you. Either because 
they really want to sabotage what they're doing. They don't want you to progress. Or the only reason why they are there is to advance their own selfish interest at any cost. You think they're for you, but they're not for you. They're pursuing their own selfish interest or the envy and the jealousy and the bitterness has gone to the point where they just want to see that person fail. This is the second type of betrayal and Satan knows how to plant people in our lives. So you have to be very vigilant. This one is harder to discern because they have to put on a show. They have to put on the sheep clothing to mask the fact that they're a wolf. You understand what I mean? So they will go all out to appear like they support you, like they're for you, like the line manager that keeps saying, oh, that work is fantastic. It is brilliant. I don't understand how you keep coming up with these ideas. But behind your back, when the leadership gather and he's there, he's saying all sorts to, I've actually seen this one happen. I've, it, it has happened to me, literally. In one of the schools that I worked in, I think the second to the last one, my line manager, this person, I mean, <laughs> God, <laughs> I was doing most of her work for her. We were both in senior leadership, but she was ahead of me. She was my line manager. And when it was time for performance review, I sent out the 360 to, to different people, to my line manager, which she was. Um, other members of senior leadership that were my bosses, to my colleagues, to people that I was line managing, etc. And you know that this person that will be laughing to my face, he say, you're doing a great job. I don't understand how you keep getting these things done. When I printed out the results of the 360, she stood out like a sore thumb. Let's say the score was out of five, five being excellent. All the others may give me like four, five, four, five, 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 four, four, whatever it is. She will give me one, two, one, 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 one. And the, <laughs> the person that was doing my performance review, thank God it wasn't her. I was like, who is this person? And I said, oh, it's my line manager. He just like, <laughs> like, <laughs> ignore that. Like, that's their character. So there are people like that. There are people like that. So you have to be aware you have to be aware thank god god shielded me that if she had been the one that was responsible for my promotion that kind of person would have definitely held me back no matter what i did it would not have been enough because she had yielded herself to that kind of behavior for so long that she didn't know any other way to behave she was just someone that by habit was betraying people so you are telling them one thing to their face and you're betraying them behind them if i stuck with somebody like that you have to go and pray and ask god to remove that person from your life or pray that they will show their true colors that god will expose them for what they really are that they are wolf or they're just trying to be sheep that's what happened so for me all the other people Average of maybe 4.8 out of 5. If if I removed all her yaga yaga, 1 and 1 and 2. And all those things. Her own stood out like a sore thumb. I was justified that it, 20 people can't be saying one thing. And one person is saying something else. That's what I mean. So there's people that have it in for you. You don't know why. You don't know what their reason is. Some might say, oh, because you did it this way or whatever it is. Some, it has nothing to do with you. It has absolutely nothing to do with you. They might think, oh, I don't want her to come and take my job. She's just doing too well. The next thing I know, they'll promote her to the same level as me. How old is she? You don't know what the reason is. So for that one, you just have to be very vigilant that God will expose every wolf in sheep clothing that has been sent to sabotage your success in whatever project you are reaching out for. So that one is much more sinister. Now I'm going to finish with this. Another example from the Bible. When I read this, I was just like, what, why? So this is another example of betrayal. And I couldn't quite place it. Whether it is the first one, which is they were just attracted by the prospect of the outcome 
or whether it was the second one whereby they purposely infiltrated for the purpose of sabotaging. But I'm going to read it to you anyway, just to illustrate how dangerous this thing is. So Numbers 11 verses 4 to 6. After God did all the miracles for the Israelites and they were able to leave Egypt. Some Egyptians left with them. It says the Egyptians who were traveling with the Israelites began to crave the good things of Egypt. And the people of Israel also began to complain. Oh, for some meat, they exclaimed. <laughs> we remember the fish we used to eat for free in Egypt. And we had all the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, the garlic we wanted. But now our appetites are gone. All we ever see is this manna. Can you see that? It says, first of all, that the Egyptians who were with them, they began to crave the good things of Egypt. When that happened, they must have spread it. They must have started talking about it. And then it caught on. The Israelites too picked it up like, ah, it's true. Oh, ah, you remember that fish? Oh, that fish we used to eat. Ah, the onion was sweet. And that's how... The manna that God intended to feed them with, they despised it. They continued with that kind of behavior until that project failed. They never got into the promised land. So whether those Egyptians that went with them, I don't know whether it was Pharaoh that planted them and said, make sure they don't succeed. Or they saw that, ah, these people are going to a promised land. See their God. See how powerful their God is. Let's go with them. Either way. It was the same outcome, whatever the motive was. You have to be vigilant about people that claim that they want to go with you, but their presence, their very presence with you on that project will result in sabotage. So you have to be able to say, Egyptian, I'll be going back to your land. It's okay. We like our manner. Let's just stay with our manner. Okay, bye. See you. Okay. Otherwise... They will so poison you to the point that you say, if you say, ah, this project cannot move forward. Okay. All right. Those are the four hidden traps that could lead to failed projects. Remember these four hidden traps, whether it is temporary setbacks, temporary success, disloyalty, or betrayal, they represent 10%. None of them is powerful enough to actually stop you. It is how you respond. It is how you engage with them that will determine whether they have the power to stop you or not so look out for them and with the help of the holy spirit i believe that you will be able to navigate them with wisdom and keep going on your journey until you achieve everything you said you had to do this is allow me and i'll be back next week <laughs> bye